your first time, we do have an app, a New Hope app that you can download. And what that does is it gets you to stay connected, but it also gives you the notes for the services that will be happening today. So if you do use the app, you can take that out and it'll help you to follow along. Uh, Otherwise, the scriptures and things like that will pop up here on the screen and even for those of you who are online. And so that way you don't feel like you're lost in anything. And I'm so thankful that we are here in 20, well, ending, ending 2021 and coming into 2022. Pastor Kat and I were talking on New Year's Eve how, you know, we all looked forward to 2021 because of what 2020 brought. And then it's like, we don't want 2021. We want, to, we want that to end. But today we're going to learn that there are things that happen in the world that we may not know of, but God does. And there was a word that has been tossed around every so often. And I remember early, probably earlier this year, I remember just saying to myself, that may never happen. And here's the word, normal. Haven't we been hearing that phrase often? the, the The phrase is, I can't wait for everything to get back to normal. Then I thought, what is normal? What does normal look like? Because as far as I can tell, after every major catastrophe throughout the history of man, they have never gone back to normal. Something always changed. Something changed with the economy, with a a disease, with a nation, uh, someone, uh, some form of government like there are changes that took place a law has changed changes changes took place so there was no normal because your normal and my normal might be different so it is when you know we read the the christmas story on New year's eve and the birth of jesus christ and what that looked like for them at that time because they're also experiencing even though two thousand years ago they're normal And then Jesus comes on the scene, and after the birth of Jesus, Jesus goes through the normal customs as a young child, circumcision. He's presented to the Lord God. He offers the normal sacrifice, or his parents offer the normal sacrifices at the temple. But then Jesus eventually comes to a place in his young preteen years of speaking with the religious leaders about the things of God. Well, his parents, Mary and Joseph, are looking for him. Because they haven't seen him for three days. And you might be wondering, three days? How could they not see him for three days? And we'll get into the story. But then, after those three days, when they eventually find him, and although they're surprised that Jesus is speaking with the teachers of the law, it seems like just another ordinary day for Jesus. For him, it's, well, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is who I am. And we're going to find out why. For Jesus, he wasn't concerned so much about what was happening around him because there was something that he was doing that was his normal. In Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 50, it tells us, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, this is after the birth of Jesus, and he's still young, they, meaning his parents, returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, who is Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him, or the power of God was upon him. 
His parents went into Jerusalem or went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company... They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So basically, they thought he was with family. So they're fine. They're okay. We do that all the time. In fact, people, when they visit our church, they don't know whose kid belongs to who because we just pick up each other's child and we kind of, you know, take care of one another. In this case, Jesus was thought to be of, or the parents thought that Jesus was with their family members. So that's why they weren't really looking for him. And all those, and, and so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So they went a day's journey. So once they found out, wait a minute, he's not with us. They got to go back. Now they're walking. They're on, you know, animals. So it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. That sounds such like a, like a, such holy parents. If your child was missing for three days, how would you approach them? How, what would you say? <laughs> We would not, this is so nice. Son, why have you done this to us? I don't think we would have even spoken. You probably would have grabbed them, throw them in the camel or on the camel or whatever it was and like, get on this donkey. Get on this donkey right now. Like, they, but they came to him. Why did you, why have you done this to us? Like your father and I have sought you anxiously. Jesus' response is so amazing because I don't know if our 12-year-old would say this. Because he said to them, why did you seek me? <laughs> why did you seek me? Imagine your 12-year-old, after finding him or her for, 12, or for, for three days, says to you, well, Mom, Dad, why were you looking for me? Why, 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 we was look, why we was looking for you? You're asking us why we're <laughs> Why are we looking for you? You know, we shouldn't have been looking for you. What would our response be if our child responded in that kind of way? So you can already see there, there is a relational value in Jesus and his parents. In this case, Mary. Why did you seek me? And this is the best phrase. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? At 12 years old. It's like looking for your child for three days and then you find him here at church and he's like, you never know I was going to be here. Like, this is what I do, mom. This is who I am. Why wouldn't you think I was here? Well, because the way you behave at home. What would we say? Mary is in this situation because it ends with this in verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Almost like confused. Like, Okay. And I'm wondering if this is 12 years now that has gone by. We read the scripture in a minute. 
But this is 12 years that has gone by since the word that was given to Mary and Joseph through the angel saying that you're going to give birth to this child. He'll be called the son of the most high. He'll be called the most high. He'll be the anointed one. This is the one everyone has been waiting for. He is the king of Israel. He's the one that has been prophesied about. That's your son. 12 years later, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's about the father's business? Okay, we cannot forget. We cannot forget that this is who he is. For Jesus, this was his normal. It's just the parents weren't ready for it. See, if we have an expectation on what normal would look like, we will always be let down. Because we don't know what normal looks like. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what the next hour is going to bring. Some of you were stuck mid-flight or traveling when mandates came down. And things shut down. It changed everything. Everyone, people that were traveling, they didn't know what to do. They were stuck at airports. People had to sleep overnight. We do not know even what the next half an hour would bring or even the minute later. But here Jesus is sitting on the ground with the teachers of the law, asking them questions. And that word, or that phrase, asking them questions, comes from a Greek word, that means to suggest that the word implies not just curiosity, but rather, but rather probing questions designed to elicit decisions. In other words, he's sitting there not asking questions because he doesn't know. He's asking questions so something can be done about what is known. So, for Jesus, he's not asking questions because he has no idea. It's not because it, we already know he was filled with wisdom and knowledge at an early age. So he wasn't asking questions because he had no clue. He was asking questions because he was probing for something. He was saying, you guys know, you know. And later on in life, we know what Jesus was doing. Even as he grew up with the Pharisees, same teachers of the religious law. He's saying, ever since I was a child, I've been telling you, all you've been doing is doing the sacrifices at the temple and doing all these things, but you're not obedient to the Father. You know all these things, but you're not following what you already know. Jesus was less concerned about their wisdom than he was about their obedience to the Father. See, he's not, he's not concerned about how much we know. It's what are we going to do with what we already know? Are we going to obey the Father? Are we going to be about the Father's business? So I want us to take this today and head into 2022 in this kind of way. Be about the Father's business. And in order to know about the Father's business, you got to get to know the Father. That's why we have the Word of God. We get into the Word of God so we can know the Father, so that we can be about the Father's business. Now, we, we know about, or we can learn about humility and joy, peace and comfort and love and imitating the Father, but nothing like getting to know the Father. Someone even came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment of them all? Like, narrow it down for us. Once again, when Jesus responds, it's a response to do something with it. Not just for the wisdom and knowledge of it. So he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your and then he says this, and this is the one that people get hung up on. And then love your neighbor as yourself. 
sometimes we struggle with at least one of those in there. I mean, if we could get those three down, that's what makes this one law. That's why Jesus answered it in this way. It's almost like Jesus gave a couple of responses. No, what is the one commandment, the most important? Oh, the most important? Here it is. And he's saying it's all captured into one because you can love God and love your neighbor, but if you don't love yourself, you're still going to have a difficult time worshiping me because you're always going to feel less than. But I died for you. I see value in you. Or if you don't love God, but you love people and you love yourself, then you're always going to end up being empty, ending up empty in the end. Or if you love God and just yourself, but you hate people, that doesn't represent God well. So Jesus brings that balance. Love God, love others as you love yourself. Sometimes we don't even take care of ourselves because we're so worried about everybody else. And Jesus said, there's a rhythm to this commandment that when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself, then you'll find a rhythm in life and you'll be about the Father's business. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, I love how the prophet Micah brings us to a place of some type of movement, some type of how we can walk this out, something tangible. And Micah says, No, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know when we walk humbly with God? Obedience to him becomes so much more of a joy than it is a chore. You know, we say it's so hard to obey God. It's, it's hard to obey him. And I get it. In some situations, yeah, it's difficult. But when we obey God and we listen to his voice, that's why it's important to know his word because his voice lines up with his word. It cannot be inconsistent. When we recognize his voice and we walk in obedience, we're responsible to be obedient. We're covered by him when we're obedient. We're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible to be obedient. He's responsible for the results. Some time ago, we were, you know how you put rice, you buy a bag of rice, it's like 20 pounds. So we put it in another container. So my, my son, uh, he's probably about seven years old at that time. He's 33 now. But at that time, he's pouring this rice into this container. As he puts the rice in, puts the whole bag in because we said just put the whole bag in and you can just pull the bag out because it, it fits that all of that so as he's pull, pulling it out he looks at me he says but it's going to spill I said no it's not going to spill I do this all the time just just pull it out he goes no but there's still rice on the bag I said no but it's once you pull it out it's it, all the rice it'll, it'll come through then he said but there's still rice I said just yank the bag out now, once a dad or mom says it in that kind of tone, the kid is not responsible for what comes next. He yanks that thing out, and what happens? Rice all over the place. And when rice spills on like a concrete floor or like, like, like tile, it's exaggerated. It's like, shh. All the rice are like, yee we're free. And all the rice just came out, and I looked at him, and he looked at me like, this is what I was telling you was going to happen. Now, why could I not get mad at him? Which I still did. But why, why shouldn't I have not get, gotten mad at him? Why? Yeah, he only did what I asked him to do. And children love it when we make the mistakes. They love it. 
But he obeyed. He wasn't responsible for what was going to come after I told him what to do. And I couldn't blame him. We sometimes do that. Like, why are you never tell me head rice on the other side? Why are you never tell me the bag was folded? Like, you know, we could do that. But he wasn't responsible. Why? Because he obeyed what dad asked him to do. And when we're about the father's business and we obey him, we're covered. We're covered. For whatever results may be, we're covered. Because he gave us that instruction. That's why when we read the Bible and it tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, when it tells us to love your wives just as Christ loved the church, to submit to one another, when we, do, when we obey him, we're not responsible for the results. He is, and he gives us great responsibility or great res, uh, results. He's good at that. And even though the results may not be what we thought it would be, we still walk in victory because we don't see everything that he sees. There are going to be three businesses in our, in our lifetime. Our business, our own life, what we think, how we want to do things, and what we think is best for our lives. That's like our business. Then you have the devil's business. And he does not like that God gave you access to himself into heaven for all of eternity. Because he was kicked out of heaven because he tried to rebel against God and tried to be above the Most High. And God was like, no, there's only one. There's only one who can be above. It's just, it's not going to work that way. You got to go. And a third of the angels fell with the devil. So you have Satan's business too. And his business is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what John chapter 10 verse 10 says. And then there's the father's business. Now out of these three businesses, which one do you think is the most successful? Yeah, definitely not ours. Our business will always be in debt and in deficit at best. We don't know how to run this business, this life. We don't know how to do that. We're not the author of our life. We don't know how to do that. The second business, the devil's business, is already bankrupt. He's starting off bankrupt. It's like, hey, you want to start your business with me? Well, what, what is the, do you have collateral? Do you, what, what's the, what does the bank look like? Oh, we bankrupt. Where's the business? Wherever. Wherever you want it to be, the business can be. And then you have God's business, the Father's business. And it is already soaring through the roof with success. His business never fails. God has a fail-proof business plan. It'll never fail. His bank account is deep. So much so that he was able to send his one and only son to die on the cross. Very expensive death to buy our business that is in debt and could never find its way out. He bought it. And our business is all about the Father's business because he owns it all. The good news is he puts us in partnership with him. That's the amazing part. Imagine someone who buys businesses that are failing 
and calls you part owner. That's what God did with all of us. Our, our, all of our failings, all of our, our, our mishaps, all the things we've done wrong, all the things that, that we thought was going to be good. Every decision that we made, even disobedient to God, that failed, he said, I can turn all of that into a fortune. My business will cover all of that. And I'll do that for you. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, which were the teachers of the religious law, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, it's not just sitting on the sidelines and watching and saying, oh, that's great. Oh, God, you're doing great things or, or just observing the things that take place. He said, no, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. He's saying, you know the Father's business, his plan, it's in you. He put it in you. It's, you're part of it. You're part owners. This is more than just a franchise business. It, you're part owners. We're in this together. Yeah, but I still fail. I made a mistake here. That's okay. My, I, I'll, I'll set the books right. I, I have a lot in my account. You're okay. Yeah, but I, I misrepresented you yesterday and, and our company. That's okay because I'm already good. People are looking at me, not you. They see me in you. And I'm the owner with you. So when you fail, the business doesn't fail. Because my business plan hangs on every word that I speak. We're going to do this together. Because I hold everything together. I'm going to invite our team to come up. And they're going to help us understand this. Our worship team and, and our, our wonderful children. And it's a reminder for us that it's His business that we're after let's be about the father's business in this next season and let's let him be the one that shows us even in dark times that he is still the light that he's the one that's going to show us every step of the way what it looks like and as our team sings this song and presents this to you take a look at the words put it in your mind put it in your heart and watch what God will do. Can you welcome up our team as they come and share with us from their hearts what God is up to? Let's welcome them. Be my. 
way for us to once again be reminded that no matter what happens in 2022 he's going to hold us together he's the one that doesn't fail let's be about the father's business and let that be our normal because everything will change around us but he never changes instead of putting our hope into things that will change let's put our hope in the one that never changes he is consistent and is faithful not the world So let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your consistency, your faithfulness, that we would choose to do what is right, to love mercy and walk humbly before you. And as we walk humbly before you, as you speak to us, obedience won't be a chore. It would be a joy. So whatever 2022 looks like, it really, it's not too much of a concern for us. Because we, we are all about the Father's business. We do pray for what's to come. That as we walk with you, we would remember that we walk as children of the light, not the darkness. Because we have you to follow. So thank you 
for holding everything together. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Well, happy new year, everybody. And post Merry Christmas, we pray that you would have a wonderful week. And we'll see you this coming Friday night, if not here, then online. Enjoy your guys' week. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much for investing in your spirit. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Aloha.